I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, listeners. Hello. Welcome to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Uh, Today with us, we have a very special guest because we are watching Fantasia, the musical. 1940. 1940. And we have one of my besties. Oh, one of your besties from Mm -hmm. from high school and beyond. Uh, Miss, we can, well, do you want us to say your last name? We'll just say it right now. Uh, We're not saying anybody's last name, so you want to just do Chris? Mr. Chris? Perfect. Okay. (laughs) So we got Mr. Chris. In the house from New Jersey. Hi, guys. You guys were, like, on fire before this thing started, like, and then all of a sudden we started both like, hello, I, hello, I'm on a podcast, I'm being recorded. So, you guys, so how do you guys, how do you two know each other? Well, so, Chris and I have different stories. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, because I remember Chris from middle school and that we started becoming friends when he was a freshman, I was a sophomore. He swears that I was mean to him in middle school and didn't like him. Yeah, you were. I was not. <laughs> I, I I remember that at, at Dorney Park um, on our eighth grade band trip. But then in high school, it changed. Then we became friends. I don't remember being <laughs> mean to him. But we both played alto saxophone. So mm-hmm. that's how we got together, like knowing each other. Mm-hmm. And then we both played mellophone and French horn. And uh, cr- uh, Chris has taken. Well, we have, I guess, two musicians in, in in the podcast today. But Chris has taken his musical, this this alto sax and musical background, and extended it. Now you're a music teacher. Yeah, he's a music educator. A music educator. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been teaching for about ten years. Um, I've oh my god, taught, yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, it's wild. So I, I I've. <laughs> I've taught high school band. I've taught elementary music, um, conducting youth orchestras. Um, you name it, I've, I've done it. And then professionally played too. Yeah, and I, I still continue to play um, with orchestras. French horn, correct? Yeah. And he also does a little tube and throat singing on the side. Yeah, that's he just does, a little yeah. side hustle. <laughs> and really, I that was a perfect it. opening for you to hit us with some, and you just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> okay um and you guys we, we 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 you know we've got your regular background but you guys have a little bit of a disney background you've been to walt disney world a couple times yeah since you're both east coast that seems so, to be east coast does disney world west coast is. yeah so we've only gone once because i went my oh. freshman year in high school so chris was in eighth grade mm-hmm. and then we wondering went... whatever enjoying eighth grade because that mean girl had left <laughs> <laughs> Did we go your junior year, my senior year, or was it sophomore junior? Do you remember? I think it was sophomore junior. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember the age, but we went, and I was looking through the pictures. And do you remember when the bus broke down? I do remember the bus breaking down. Yeah, so we drove from New Jersey to Florida, and How the bus broke down. How long is that down. drive? 
That's a long time. Yeah, that's almost it's almost like we drove straight through, didn't we? Yeah. And then the bus broke down on the way back, and so we were stranded at like an old timey general store that was closed, Mm -hmm. and we were stranded at south of the border for a little bit, Mm -hmm. and then a Waffle House. I remember all of us like sitting outside the the Waffle House. Wasn't there something about, like, when we were at the general store where we all had to, like, go inside the building because, like, a car was circling the parking lot or something? There was something weird (laughs) where, like, people were, like, driving around us and nobody knew what was going on. And then we ended up in, like, a courthouse. Yeah. Like, a small town courthouse, remember? Mm -hmm. Because we slept. We, like, put our beds and, like, like, blankets and pillows on the ground of a courthouse. Like, it was a while before they got us new buses. Yeah. So, what we're getting at is, uh, apparently, Chris and Tara were hobos together. And <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for about a day. Riding the rails on the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, do you guys, do either of you guys remember uh, seeing this one? I think, Chris, you haven't seen this one. I have not seen the original Fantasia. Do you know anything about, do you know, any of the songs that are in it? Or are you, do you know, do you remember anything from it or well, have any I, vague memory I of I do know um, the uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. I know that's in it with the mm-hmm. with uh, Mickey and the Broomsticks. Um, that's the, the famous song from it. Um, and I, I know a couple, I think the Nutcracker's in this one too. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. the Nutcracker's in this one. Takata and Fugue in D minor. Well, we kind of skipped this part. Do you want to read... What you can do is... Do you want to read the... Um, yeah, I'll read the synopsis. The synopsis, and then you can do a quick rundown of... Yeah, because there's a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Released in 1940, represented Disney's boldest experiment to date, bringing to life his vision of blending animated imagery with classical music. What had begun as a vehicle to enhance Mickey Mouse's career blossomed into a full-blown feature that remains unique in the history of animation. And then, uh, if you're watching it on Disney+, Plus, they have a line at the end that says, some of these cultural references may be outdated. Oh, so no. I'm really excited to spot those. Oh, no. <laughs> it did um, get 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. So... Which I found interesting. Well, well let's hit up the, the, the set list before we start it. Okay. Um, but I'll, let me give you a little bit of stuff. I What I do, Chris, is I tend to watch a documentary a little before we watch it so I can act like I knew this stuff beforehand, but really <laughs> I just knew it as of like less than 24 hours ago. But um, so this did start off as simply a uh, short, which was Mickey Mickey doing The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Okay. okay. And they had Disney had done a lot of things. They basically did... The Mickey Mouse shorts, where it was mostly narrative, with the with the music being enhancing the narrative or just going with it, and then Walt Disney had like a real passion for music, so he did the silly symphonies, which were we have a piece of music, let's do animation to the music. That's where, if you ever remember the famous like, do you ever remember the skeleton dance from Halloween and stuff like that? Oh yeah, yeah. like that was a silly symphony. Yeah, a lot of those were he was he had a piece of music and then he did something yeah, I think to that it. Was Dance so he wanted Cop. to do this with, yes, mm-hmm. I think. But he he had he had the Sorcerer's Apprentice and he wanted to do a Mickey Mouse thing. But then he started talking. He ended up going to lunch and at lunch was Leopold Stokowski. Is mm-hmm. that how you say it? Yeah. And basically, uh, Walt Disney, being Walt Disney, like just goes, "Can I eat lunch with you?" And they ended up having like a multi-hour lunch. And he was like, "I'd like for you to conduct this. I'd like for you to do this. What should I do to make this better?" And Stokowski was like, "Well." Yes, I re- was like really interested in animation. He goes, "This is all the things you should do." He ended up getting like a hundred piece orchestra to record all this stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's amazing all the all the stuff they did. They basically had like a live stage, and they did all. They, and, well, we'll they, see it. I believe in yeah. Fantasia, you yeah. see 
Yes. How do you say it? Stakovsky? Well, there's a, there's a, I forgot the name Mm. of the, there's a presenter who was also like a big music critic at the time. And Stakowski like was like, well, I think we should do all these different songs. I don't think you should just do the Sorcerer's Apprentice. And 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 Roy Disney, his brother, who was the f- numbers guy, went, we're not going to make any money back if you just make a short that costs. We're going to have a hundred piece orchestra. We do this, this, and this. Like we're not going to make any money back. And so he said, well, we'll turn it into a feature. And they did all they did all this stuff, and it was mostly based on like the music and all that. And they did all those things together. They did a, like a series of of, of pieces. The idea originally was, as it kept going, is every few months, like every six months or a year, they'd take out pieces and they'd add new pieces. Oh, wow. And they'd, they'd just, it would just continuously it be running. It would cycle through. Um, it, they actually, there was some stuff on the on the thing, there's some, some study that had, hold on, I've got a list of the ones they were going to do. Uh, well, Claire and did they Delune. include any of those in Fantasia 2000 or no? I don't know. It's Claire de Lune and Ride of the Valkyries and a couple other things, and they'd started some work on them. And then Fantasia was a financial failure. Hmm. And it was a big problem because the first thing they did is they did like a road show and they had people show up and it would do two shows a day in big cities. And you were supposed to show, and they had like programs and they to make conducted it feel like people. an orchestra. Yes. Concert. And it was the first time using uh, what ended up becoming stereophonic sound. But it was they called it Fanta Sound, and so they had to like hook up all these did. theaters with new sound and everything, and so it didn't do well. And then they go, okay, then they convinced RKO to redistribute it because RKO usually did their their distribution. They said we're not going to do this is a two hour concert, and then it did badly. And RKO said, okay, we'll do it if you can get it down to eighty minutes. So they like cut it down to an eighty minute version and sent it out to Middle America, and it didn't do very well. That's pretty much all my information I have. I realize I kind of went on and on and on, but that's, that's what I fine. did. I had one thing, and then we can go through the songs, but it was Stravinsky, right? Yeah. Yes, you Stravinsky, Stravinsky was back. the only uh, composer who was alive when this came out, and he came out saying how uh, he was not happy with the arrangement that they did of the song that they used for him. And let which, me look I don't at remember what which they... one was Stravinsky's. I don't either. Let me look. Oh, I think he did um, The Rite of Spring. Right? Uh, was yes, it the seasons? Yeah. Mm-hmm, the Rite of Spring. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he apparently, Someone's I guess the way they orchestrate the Rite of Spring, he was not pleased with the final product once he saw it. But the rest of the composers, I think, were all dead. So nobody else had feedback. Mm-hmm. So Rite of Spring one. may have been one of the, uh, like, they did a couple that are kind of abstract. So, Which is the ones, the first ones they cut yeah. when they sent it out to Middle <laughs> so America. So the order, there are 15 yes. uh, pieces in this, and it's Toccata and Fugue in D minor. That's one of the abstract ones. The Nutcracker Suite, then Sorcerer's Apprentice. So I always remembered Sorcerer's Apprentice at the end, but I guess that's not mm. the case. It's like right in the middle. Rite of Spring, Symphony Number no. 6, the Pastoral, and there's the three movements of that. Then Dance of the Hours from... What is it from? From Fantasia. When you click on it, it says Dance of the Hours. <laughs> no, but it says something after it. It's a ballet. That's yeah, so it must that must Which be was an interesting thing because that's the one with the hippos and the And then A Night at Bald Mountain. That's the other one I remember. And were you in middle school when we played A Night on Bald Mountain? Uh I don't think Or did so. you block out most of middle I, school I because blo- of your bullying? <laughs> I blocked it out. He could have been in sixth experience. grade, okay? He might not have been there yet. Uh, and then Ave Maria is what closes it out. But I remember playing A Night mm-hmm. on Bald Mountain in middle school. So. Yeah. Um, I remember these mostly from, I don't, 
I, I don't know that I've actually sat down and watched Fantasia. I'm the only one who's watched it. Because, well, because I've, I've seen most of them because I've seen at Halloween on Disney Channel, they played Not on Bald Mountain. Oh. I remember specifically skipping any time they played Ave or Maria because I didn't care. <laughs> um, I've seen, uh, I've seen the sugar, I've seen the, uh, the Nutcracker stuff. I've seen a lot of the, each bit because they had a thing, I think we've talked about it, about uh, D- Ch- DTV on Disney Channel, which was like, they're like MTV for like 30 minutes where they'd show music with stuff, but they just flat out took pieces from Fantasia and threw mm-hmm. that in there. Yeah. What I find interesting is I feel like people who watch this, and I'm sure when we watch it, you're going to have personal connections to each piece. Like, and that's what I'm curious mm-hmm. about. Like, I'm curious, it's the music therapist part of me, but I'm curious, like, for each of us after we watch it or while we're watching it, like what associations we have with it and do the visuals match up with our associations do you know what i'm saying do any of those pieces like have you played them before um, chris or have you, yeah or either of you i know most of your this this type of music is more night on, your... yeah night on ball mountain i played in middle school i don't know that i ever played the nutcracker suites mm-hmm. um yeah I, i've played the nutcracker um almost every christmas um and like Beethoven Symphony in something or just like around oh, just the house? by myself no no with uh, <laughs> usually with a, a group uh, a ballet group that you know they dance to it while we play um, but you know what's interesting is still in your house <laughs> what's interesting is the uh, Beethoven Symphony I think is one of the few like programmatic pieces meaning that like the composer made it with the intent to tell a story um, so the Nutcracker and the Pastoral Symphony, like those pieces were ri- written with a story in mind from the composer. And I think that it's going to be interesting to see the, uh, the story that someone else came up with. That's, that's interesting because that was a big deal with the Nutcracker because they do not go with the, they, they made a decision to were you know, the, the whole point of this is to tell stories with music. And this one actually told a story and Disney went, no, we're going to do a completely different story. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting what the pastoral image is. Can't remember is, what the pastoral is. I can't remember was, what yeah. that story is. Um, well, and that's all about um, a country setting. Beethoven was just imagining the country setting because that made him feel peaceful um, and happy. So then, uh, and then I think another movement of that is there's a storm. I think in the fourth movement. I don't know if that's one that they do. And then the the last movement is like a, a shepherd song. Um, so I don't know what they are going to be doing with that. It's interesting when I was watching the documentary because I didn't think about like music, like classical musicians go- saying like this is the story or even this is the image I want to put in your mind with music. Like I just never thought about. I just I don't know. It's it's a it's it's just my mind. I'm not like a super big classical person, and anytime I do enjoy a classical music, it's typically because I have such a specific piece of imagery in my head, mm-hmm. like in in this. So it makes total sense that that's what the artist is doing. Yeah, and, and to me, when they're composing it. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, and to me, one of the coolest things about music is that you can have two or three people listening to the same piece of music, and each person has a different emotional response to it, or that can compare mm-hmm. it with a, a different memory. And what's even cooler about that is if we were to sit down and listen to that same piece, you know, fifteen years from now our own personal response to that piece of music changes based on what's happened to us in those 10, 15 years that have passed. Um, so I think it's really cool how music grows and changes as we listen to it. And that's 
literally my soapbox when I go into retirement <laughs> communities. Like Chris basically said it word for word, how I say it when I go in and sing about how we're all going to have a different experience. And I would agree with that. It's fascinating to me. And I love the idea of when I go to a classical performance, a lot of times I'm watching the audience and not the orchestra. It's really annoying. She's turned around in her seat, like up on it, like, <laughs> looking around like a like a like a gopher. No, but I do, I Down do enjoy front. like watching other, <laughs> other people experience it. Sometimes it takes me out of the experience, but sometimes like that's what I prefer to focus yeah. on. It kind of yeah. depends on what I'm listening to. Um, there's one more thing I want to go over before we start watching it. Uh, this is a quote from Walt Disney. I think specifically, I don't know if it was for Fantasia, but it was one that they kept using, that the artists kept bringing up and saying, like, this is something Walt used to say. And that was, the primary purpose of any of the fine arts is to arouse a purely emotional reaction in the beholder. Hmm. Let's all take a moment and hmm that. Hmm. 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 <laughs> Chris, I didn't get a hmm from you. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean... What do you think? Did anybody have anything of that? Or we all just agree well, that it's okay, cool. I think that's what kind of <laughs> defines um, good art, whether it's music, art, dance. Um, video if, games. Video games. If there's an emotional response <laughs> that you have to it, um, it's successful. Yeah, I think the composer has done their job or mm -hmm. the, the performer or the artist or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I liked it. I guess this is something maybe... Someone who didn't grow up as artful as you guys did was more impressed by. I was like, "Oh, that's really good. I gotta write that." And you guys are like, "Yeah, dumb dumb. That's what fine art is." We get it. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to call you a dumb dumb, but like going back to what Chris said earlier yeah. and that quote. I mean, essentially, like that's a big foundation of music therapy. Mm -hmm. Is if you can create and foster an emotional experience and a meaningful experience through music, like that's a lot of what I base my work off of. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I focus on. Yeah. So, and I'm sure with Chris, it's the same thing with kids, especially elementary. You're trying to foster their love of music. You're trying to start that growth. Yeah, exactly. And I would and imagine. having them, the emotional response, you know, being love and happiness that they're associating with music to, you know, that they continue to take with them. Because we've also both had not super positive experiences <laughs> with music educators. <laughs> Uh, in the past, and we'll leave it vague. Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> but I, that's something that Chris and I mm. have talked a lot about just in general, you know, and I hear it a lot with older adults that say, oh, I had a piano teacher and she was so mean and I just stopped playing. Or I, you know, I was told... I don't think these... I never didn't have a mean piano teacher. <laughs> <laughs> well, or I was told... There's a difference between mean and strict, too, I think. But I have many older adults who have come to me and said I was told this this and this and they're all super negative comments and so I just stopped doing music altogether mm -hmm. and it breaks my heart when I hear that and I feel like there are a lot of people out there in the world who are probably more musical than they give them credit for but well, because of the experiences they had in some way shape or form it, it kind of guides them away yeah. from it if well, that makes sense that was one of the things they talked a lot about Walt Disney in this documentary was that Walt was a, was they were like, he was a musician without an instrument. Like he had a real ear for what he wanted to do and how he wanted to see it and bring it into this brand new medium that he had pretty much 
monopoly over at this point, which was like... Because he's the only one doing it. And instead of just going, well, we're just going to do a bunch of Snow White over and over again, he's like, I want to do this Fantasia thing. It's going to be crazy. And and I think everyone who was... The musicians they interviewed were like, oh, yeah, I had a really good sense of this and that and the other. So, mm-hmm. Well, I think now's a good time to maybe stop and... Watch actually it for watch two this. hours. Yeah, we'll see you guys in two hours. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, check out Fantasia and we'll be right back. And we're back. After two hours. After two hours. (laughs) Whew. That's a, that's a long movie. You know what? It, the whole movie to me didn't feel as long as certain parts of it felt. I would agree with yeah. that. Like certain specific sections segments. definitely felt very long. Like yeah. the ones I didn't like. But overall, I liked that one a lot more than I think I, I used to like when I was a kid. Be like, ugh, Fantasia. Ugh. And now I really <laughs> enjoyed it. See, I, like I said when we were watching it, I had the VHS. So I can remember watching it at home. Tara liked it before. It was cool to like it is I what did, I'm hearing guys. right now. I was in on it. What'd you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I, you know, I liked it, but there were definitely parts that were, um, that I didn't like. <laughs> I, you yeah. know, I, yeah, I, you had some, I feel, yes. I feel bad saying that, you know, I, I play classical music all the time, but there were definitely parts of it that I was, you know, indifferent about and, you know, could have skipped through. I, uh, well, see, that's the thing that's always interesting to me about this one, because the way I consumed it was definitely piecemeal. And there's some mm-hmm. of those that I don't think I'd ever seen all the way through, specifically the first one. Um, and I think all of the dinosaur one, I think they usually just go the dinosaur part and skip all the other parts of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was thinking, too, if you were to watch this with kids, none of us have children. But I would think it's that long for of. them to sit through. Like, I think <laughs> you'd have to watch it segmented it. Well, that was one thing I think yeah. we should start talking about in this is, do we think kids would like this in this? Because I think a lot of our friends will listen to this and a lot of them have kids and I think I some think of them want to the hear... I think kids would love the Dance of the Hours. Yeah, there were parts of it I thought were fantastic. I... I yeah. Well, how about we go through it part by yeah. part and we'll talk a little bit about each thing. So one and get thing to the part wanted... where uh, Chris shoots... Uh, there are shots fired at Stravinsky. <laughs> we'll wait till we get there uh but one thing we did want to mention is you mentioned about your french horn mouthpiece yeah tell that story yes so um looking up at the uh about the orchestra that recorded this and i saw it was the philadelphia orchestra and it was recorded in 1940 so a a couple years ago i ran into uh, another horn player um who had this like big mouthpiece collection and we were talking about different mouthpieces (laughs) and i tried one I liked it, and Sorry. he's... Ryan's <laughs> laughing, but he nerds out over so many different things, so the fact that he's laughing at Sorry. you, ignore No, this is, this is a complete nerd out story on the, on the French horn. So anyway, um, this, I, I tried this mouthpiece this guy has, and I really liked it, and there was nothing written on the mouthpiece. It's clearly very old, and he goes, actually, that one's from Mason Jones, um, who was a principal horn player for the Philadelphia Orchestra for many years, and he started in 1940. So when I saw that the Philadelphia Orchestra um, was playing on this in 1940, I checked to see if he was on the recording, and he is. He actually just got the job with the Philly Orchestra when they started doing That's really cool. This. And, and it's neat I that that was like one of his... Ad, uh, what's that? Go ahead, sorry. 
And so um, this, this guy who had the mouthpiece, he was actually really nice, and he let me have it because um, I liked it so much, and he didn't use it at all. Um, so it's kind of cool that I have one of the mouthpieces that one of the horn players from the soundtrack was playing on. Can I ask a question? And Go for both, it. Both of you hopefully don't get mad at me. How, if there's nothing written on it, how do you know for sure this guy, like, how well, do you know this guy wasn't lying to you? <laughs> I mean, there is a chance of that. Um, however, uh, if you, like, do research on Mason Jones, he was known for having an extensive collection of horn mouthpieces. Mm. Um, and uh, a lot of them ended up going into museums. But I know as, as a horn teacher, a lot of times I'll give my students mouthpieces and I may or may not ever see them again. So I think that may be kind of what happened with this mouthpiece is um, he gave it, it to, someone, to and, someone and it got passed around. On his deathbed, he was like, my mouthpiece. That's really cool, though. I, that's yeah. a great story. It's really neat. And it's neat that that was his first gig with the orchestra. Yeah, Or, he got or an early gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got that job when he, I think he was like 20 years old or 21 um, oh, wow. with the Philly Orchestra. I haven't done anything. Yeah, yeah right? That's, I, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's amazing how much he did when he was 20. So, Terry, you want to take us through this movie? Sure, I'll do my best uh, to be the narrator like Deems Taylor yeah. was. There's our segue. <laughs> uh, but Deems Taylor kind of guides the audience throughout. What I found interesting is in the beginning and then before each piece, he guides the audience what they're going to see visu visually mm -hmm. and kind of tells the story before you see the story. And I'm wondering if that's because they weren't sure how open to people were going to be about this. Like, I was curious Maybe. that he described each visual He also, piece. Walt really wanted this to feel like a lot, like you were at the orchestra or something like that. Like, he wanted you to feel like this was something you went to. And, like, that's why they had the... The ushers, they taught ushers in the theaters. They're like, hey, you're going to take them to their seats. And the ushers are like, we just point. Like, what are you talking about? Like, And they're like, no, you're going to take them to their seat. You're going to give them a, a, a what is this Program. Called? A program and all that. Well, and it was very educational. I'm not knocking it. Yeah. But it was an interesting way to present it. This was meant as a way to bring fine arts to kind of like the world in a more palpable, palatable way. Mm. The other thing I remember from a kid that I liked seeing was the silhouettes. So when Takata in D minor opens from mm -hmm. Bach, seeing the silhouettes of the orchestra, we don't go directly to animation for a good amount yeah. of that piece. But they do a lot of editing and interesting stuff to, it's not just a steady shot on the orchestra. Yes. It's like yeah. they're stacked in certain ways. There's different color lights coming. It's, it's definitely a visual experience happening at the same time. And I think it makes it feel more grand. It definitely felt like more than a hundred people. I have a question mm -hmm. for you guys. Um, did you did you guys ever close your eyes when you're at a concert, like a, a like a, a a classical concert, and listen that way? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I always kind of feel like I shouldn't be doing that because people think I'm asleep, or I might actually fall asleep because I'll just be relaxed. <laughs> but I do um, that. I, I do that sometimes where I like that's where I try and get the visualization in my head. Yeah, I think it depends too on like the piece of music that you're listening to. There are definitely pieces that I like to watch the performer playing them because just sometimes seeing someone play something really virtuosic is like impressive. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes there's just a, a mood that the piece creates that you just kind of go into your own world with. Um, well, I think that's okay something... to close your eyes and listen. 
<laughs> yeah, there's something specific. I couldn't remember the name of it, so I looked it up. It's called synesthesia. I don't know. Cinnamon buns. I don't synesthesia? know. Where yeah, you that's see... it. That's it. Yeah. Synesthesia. I knew I wasn't going to say it right. Which is where you hear a sound, but you see color. Mm. Yeah. And so 4% of the people in the earth experience this, says this article. But mm-hmm. I was curious with that, with the animation in general. There were, I looked it up, there were over a thousand artists and technicians that worked on Fantasia on the more than 500 animated characters that we see. And what I was curious was, did they listen to the music and then they were inspired and then they drew? And then how did they decide which animation was chosen? I mean, they definitely had stories they were talking about as they were listening. I think Walt kind but of who said, developed I want this the stories. to do this and I want this to do this. I know he was looking into abstract through a lot of these, especially this one. This one he based off, there's a German, forgot his name. Apologies to this German abstract 1940s cartoonist um but he did a lot of that stuff and they actually brought him in and he had an idea and walt said i don't like it and they redid it because his was just mostly like if you look at the the one we saw there was like those rolling hills but in the mm-hmm. background was a uh skyline and that was supposed to orient the viewer and he was worried the one the other guy show was just like weird shapes going in all ways and he was like people are this is gonna no one's gonna like this they're gonna well, it's too much even when it starts to be animated, it's images from the orchestra. It's the mm-hmm. bows of the violins yeah. and the strings. Yeah. And so it kind of gradually brings you into the abstract. Yeah. I thought it was really cool how they used the colors with the shadows and then, um, you know, made the cartoons mimic the visuals that you were seeing before. It almost felt like kind of like going down the rabbit hole. Hmm. So let's real quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call an audible here. Uh, thumb, we're gonna go one, two, three, and everyone give a thumbs up and thumbs down if they like this this oh, okay. section. Wait, we'll try that. We'll just wait. See. This song, the, not the song, just this. Maybe not specifically this song, but this segment from the movie. Okay. You want to okay. do one, two, three? All right, I'll show you three like thumbs this up. One. I like yeah. this one too. I, you're gonna find I think I like most of them. <laughs> I don't know about yeah. the rest of you, but all right. So what's the next one? So the next one is the Nutcracker Suites, and I think I misspoke. Well, Oh, go um, ahead. Did you have something well, I had, else? I had one more thing that I had. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. To Kata. Um, one of the things I really liked about it was, like, it was almost hypnotizing. Like, when it got to the cartoon section, the way the shapes and colors were going, I know you are talking before about, like, how, like, kids might perceive this. I remember watching it and, like, almost feeling, like, hypnotized by mm-hmm. the music and the visuals going on. And I could definitely see how, you know, kids watching it, it could, you know, draw them into it and, you know, stay with it and keep their interest. Very cool. And I wonder if it would foster their creativity as well because it's abstract enough. It'd be interested yeah. to, like, have them watch it and then have them draw or have them watch it and then have them play on an instrument mm-hmm. and see if they... Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. A lot of hmms. Hmm. And, now, and actually, too, did you know that the uh, that, that song also was... That's an organ song. You guys... Yes. No, oh yeah, because um, it's it's and, Dracula's song. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I think of that song. And um, you know, I, I read a little bit about um, Fantasia and this piece, and this song was not actually popular until Fantasia. Oh really? That's, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. And when Stokowski took it and made the orchestral version of it, um, it started becoming a lot more popular, and then eventually became one of the most popular organ pieces out there. And now, did Staka- did they arrange it, or did they use their original? Do you know? I 
Well, the original is for um, organ, so I, I think so. Sta- yeah, so it Stikowski- have to be. Yeah, I think Stokowski did all the arranging on on this. I don't know if anyone else worked on, but I think he did. Hmm. All right, let's let's look at the next one. Yeah, so Nutcracker Suite. Uh, well, this one is is kind of it's all the all the scenes from the Nutcracker that are like all the dances and. And I don't believe it's in the same order as the original, from what sure. I looked up. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I just did a quick. Glance. I'm not sure. Said the least music history talented <laughs> of the trio speaking to. I did a quick glance when I was watching it, but I was trying not to look up too many things as we were watching, so yeah. I don't believe it's I, in the order. I'm not sure either. The only one I know is that the the dance of the sugar plum does come first in and the ballet. And the waltz but of the flowers, I'm pretty sure, comes at the end, right? I think so. It's just all those songs in the the ballet are all together anyway, and they all come out in sections. So it's hard to remember mm-hmm. which one. To remember, yeah. Kind of. So it starts with Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies, and I don't know if you guys had anything for that one. Well, I mean, I, I've got things talking about as a whole and the okay, whole idea Okay, so I'll that, just list yeah. the order, and then sure. we can go into it. So it's Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies, and then it's the Chinese dance, or I like to call the Mushroom Dumplings, because that's what they look like <laughs> to me. Uh, that and, was, and that is our first instance of cultural insensitivity. Yes. <laughs> Uh, then comes the dance of the reed pipes, and I think that's the one that was mm-hmm. written different than the rest of the Nutcracker Suites yeah. when I read it originally. Mm-hmm. So that's the next one. Then the Arabian dance, then the Russian dance, and then the Waltz of the Flowers. So that's the mm-hmm. order. In general, the thing I liked about this was, and you know, some of this was from watching the the um, documentary was. The Nutcracker has a very specific story, and this thing went, no, we're not going to use any of that. We're going to take a whole new take on it, which I think was pretty bold for an already, you know, a pretty bold idea that they were doing. Like, they could have just easily been like, all right, do the Nutcracker story. Yeah, and Deems Taylor, this is another one where you're learning, and it becomes very educational. He mentions that Tchaikovsky wasn't... Mm -hmm super pumped about this that was i didn't know that interesting like it wasn't one of his favorites well i think i I didn't know that it wasn't one of his favorites but i do know when he was writing this he was under like a lot of direction like this was a collaboration it wasn't just him sitting down and writing a piece of music so it wasn't coming from him and him alone yeah and i think when he did it i think there was like he was given a lot of direction um like very specific things on like um how fast each piece should be, like how long each one should be. Like I think he was given so many restrictions that maybe he didn't that like might it be because why. of that. Yeah. Yeah, and that huh. I feel like that makes sense when you think of anybody who's creating something having that freedom versus having to create within a box. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's literally my job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like somebody else's creative idea, and they're like, "Ryan, do this." And I'm like, "Yes, sir." <laughs> uh. What I liked throughout it, and you see it a couple different ways, is how images in nature mimic dancers or mimic people. Mm -hmm. So the dancing uh, during Dance of the Reed Pipes, they look like dancing dresses. They're flower petals, but Mm -hmm. then they almost look like dresses. The Russian hats on the The, thistles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. During the the Russian Russian dance. dance. and the Waltz of the Flowers I love because it's the changing of the seasons. Mm-hmm. That one I thought yeah. was really beautiful. Um, yeah, I, what I thought was interesting, too, is watching some of the, um, uh, like the, the Russian dance, the Arabian dance. There were a lot of dance moves that were in it that were actually from the ballet. Like the flowers. Oh, really? They had. Yeah, like the, I know like the, the Russian dance was very, very similar to the Trey Pack ballet that they usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was just being done by you know animated flowers and mushrooms yeah. And- <laughs> yeah and we noticed too uh kind of a nod to cleo the goldfish well we noticed a lot Arabian of this dance. i think there's a lot of things you identified as like boy that sure looks a lot like this character or has very similar animation styles or this which i, I think they do over and over i know i've said that like there's scenes in robin hood where they're flat out just copying dances from uh snow white and just putting maid mm-hmm. marion on top of it so yeah we'll see and that going this through. is the same year as pinocchio so it makes sense that's that goldfish looks similar i just kind of find it exciting when it's you see those similarities there's a lot of of time and money saving things that they do and it's interesting because there's a point where i would have been like oh they don't just draw everything but then seeing the documentary i'm like well it's pretty cool what they do to like fix stuff and make it look a certain way and it we'll wasn't get to identically that all- yeah it's still and it was different colors and there were d- many different fish but it mm-hmm. was reminiscent of cleo i had one more thing to add um the the narrator in the beginning what i thought was really interesting he said no one performs this yeah and, and i feel I like people like, perform it all the time what? now yeah, I was like, this is the most common thing you hear uh, by Tchaikovsky. And Which is, uh, yeah, at you that think that time was period, no one was performing it. Yeah. So I also wonder, too, if it became more popular after Fantasia. I wonder. I don't know. Play with your dog tags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now we come to the most famous one. When oh, wait, wait, wait. We got to oh. vote on that last one. Oh, thumbs oh, up or thumbs, thumbs, up down. Up or thumbs down. I forgot. Wait, are we doing this whole, like, the whole Nutcracker suite? Because I, I, some of them I like, some of them I didn't like. Oh, good no, point. We're doing the whole Nutcracker suite. You got to give a general. Oh, I... All right. One, two, three. Oh, Ooh. so two, we wow. liked it. Chris is giving a thumbs wow. down. And what's your reasoning? Wow, that's now he's giving a different finger to Tchaikovsky. That's <laughs> insane. <laughs> well, I liked I liked the the Sugar Plum Fairy, and I liked the Waltz of the Flowers, um, mm. because I felt like those two kind of told a story. The other three uh, or other four, I just kind of felt like they were just doing like. The, the, the moves from the ballet, but putting animated things to it. Mm. And I didn't feel like it had creativity like the first two. The first two were at least telling a story. So I had a, you, you said I had to give an answer, so more were down. So I, <laughs> I went with the thumbs hey, down. Hey, there's no, no judgment here. I was curious of your opinion, and Local I Local Jersey uh, music teacher hates the arts is what I'm getting <laughs> from. Well, you, you know what? Tchaikovsky's actually one of my favorite composers, and I, and I love the And has some of the, the best suite. French horn excerpts around. Mm. Yeah. It's just, I was saying in terms of Fantasia with the animation, pairing the animation with the songs, I was not a fan of a couple of the movements. All right. Okay, All right. so now we move on to the most famous... Now... I have something I want to I want to talk about with Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, I've okay. got some things too, but did you guys notice? Okay, so this is in Sorcerer's Apprentice. I guess we should say is the next one. Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes. Sorcerer's Apprentice. Okay. Sorcerer's Apprentice. <laughs> so sorcerer's, uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Sorcerer's yes. Yeah, sorcerer's, <laughs> apprentice. sorcerer's Apprentice. Sorcerer's Apprentice. The wizard's <laughs> student. Um. So, uh, this is the first time Mickey Mouse has looked like this. Oh. Because if you look Is at his it? old design, do you remember his old design from like, like Steamboat, Steamboat Willie where it's like yeah. this whole part of his face is all just his eyes? Mm-hmm. And they actually, there's some, uh, in the documentary there were, uh, uh, like, I want to keep wanting to say screenshots, but probably not the word, but there were stills they draw on 
just trying it out where he looks like that and the animators were like he you can't get as much expression can we put a pupil in the pupil and they're like <laughs> oh so they figured out so this is the first time and it's funny because we'll see a couple things after this when we get to like fun and fancy free which is a couple down from here where it goes back to the old mickey look for a second or there'll be things like that where he'll, he'll they're trying to decide yeah they're going back and forth but this is the first modernization of mickey and i feel like this version of mickey you were talking about it's in phantasmic in the it's in, in yeah the, so phantasmic is a huge big beautiful light show i think at both parks disneyland and disney world and i could be in ones outside yeah. of the our country well, outside on, of the for, united states for a while that hat was on the epcot ball yes, wasn't it 2000 well, it was like 2000 it was up there to like 2006 and it yeah. was just like okay <laughs> but it is i used to have the hat the sorcerer's hat that has the mickey ears on it and it was kind of um mm. A velvety really? texture. Mm-hmm. I used to have the goofy hat. That was the goofy. I, yeah. I, I, if we ever went back to Disney, I want that hat again so bad. <laughs> like the baseball hat with the floppy. Ears. Oh yeah, yeah, oh. with the big ears going down, right? Yeah. Do you have any uh, any Disney hats? Uh, I had the Daffy Duck with the the hard duck bow. Yeah. Oh, that's a good yeah, one. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Sorcerer's Apprentice. What I found interesting, it was based on a German poem. So the story is very similar to the original poem. And the poem was 1797. Wow. So I found that That's interesting. Old. They go on to say <laughs> that the uh, sorcerer was a little bit more intimidating in this story than in the original. And does anyone know the sorcerer's name? That's This is my trivia fact, oh, listeners. I was looking it up, but I didn't find it. Um, it's I, I... Balthazar? Yen Sid. Oh, that's right. Sid. Yen Sid, which is Disney backwards. Oh. So it's oh. Y-E-N and then capital S-I-D. His name is Balthazar in the live-action version starring Nick Cage. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. They, they, made like a, they made like a Pirates of the Caribbean-esque movie. I thought mm-hmm. you were pulling my leg on this one. Oh, no. It's Balthazar Blake. <laughs> and his apprentice is uh, the dude from Goon and uh, This is the End. The guy who's like, I'm your friend, Seth Rogen. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I, but I found that interesting, and I feel like that could totally be a trivia question okay. in pub trivia. So um, I wanted to talk for a moment about what Mickey was doing, which was he was filling up a well. Yeah, it looked like it. It looked okay. like he was filling up water, I guess, for the sorcerer. That was some Mr. Miyagi nonsense that he goes to <laughs> apprentice for the sorcerer. The sorcerer's like, bring water from there to here. It will teach you how to do spells. I hated it. It made me mad. I'm on well, I'm on Mickey's side from moment one. Really? <laughs> Mr. Miyagi nonsense. <laughs> I mean, I think Mickey gets a little lazy when he falls asleep. He starts yeah. magic and then passes Because he out. was doing a, a task that had no point. <laughs> <laughs> That's on Yitznid. Whatever his name Yinsid, is. Yinsid, I think. Yinsid. That's how you say it. Uh, well, Chris, what did you think of this one? Is this one that you had seen out of context from, like, on its own? Um, I, I, I feel like I had seen it at some point. There were definitely parts of it that are like, oh, yeah, I know that scene. Like when you see Mickey's shadow come out in the very beginning, his ears. Um, yes, yeah. Before he starts, like, you see that and you instantly know what it's from. Um, but I can't remember ever seeing the, the whole thing. Like when he falls asleep, I didn't remember that part with the waves. Where he's clearly conducting an orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was that was such a cool idea for him to be like, oh, this wave. And oh, like, yeah. it, looked, it, it was a very cool idea. And then we all were a little startled at the <laughs> true crime horror that happens oh, with the yeah. broom. When it turned into psycho. I didn't think when he had it in Mickey, him. 
What? I know. I didn't know he had it in him either. Yeah, he sees this shiny axe next to the door as the broom is kind of going on its own and being a little out of control. And you see this scene of shadows of him splintering that's, the broom. That's bad axe safety, though. I, that's another thing to blame <laughs> on. It's Onion not said. good axe safety. You're right. yeah, seriously. Said, you gotta yeah. lock it away. You gotta make sure because mm-hmm. anybody can't just get it. Well, spoiler... <laughs> All the splinters of the broom turn into many more brooms, and it causes mm-hmm. an even bigger problem for Mickey. Um, does anybody have anything else on this one? Oh, the, oh, so one of the reasons he was yet yes, Yensid. One of the reasons he was named that is apparently they they modeled his like one eyebrow up after Walt because Walt would do that look to people. I really like really? the way his face was yeah. animated. He was very menacing and intense. He yeah. reminded he reminded me, and this is kind of funny because this person also has a wizard's costume of my grandfather Dave, <laughs> as I being can see that. as being not mean, but just with a look, you're like a yes, stern okay, look. very stern. Yeah, I can see that. When my when we went to my my grandmother's past and we were like getting things out of her uh, their apartment, uh, he was giving them away. We found pictures of their their Halloween, and I was like, I did not realize you were so super into Halloween, Dave. He had a full Dumbledore looking wizard outfit. It was insane. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'll have to send it out. Um, so if you're a bassoon player, I think you really need to check this song out. This uh, is yeah. very bassoon heavy. Very heavy with bassoon. You you really like that bassoon. I love the bassoon. Um, do you guys I don't think I feel like I ever hear this song outside of this. Like it's so ingrained in Disney now that if I went to a concert and someone played it, I would I wonder if it's just associated with kids stuff now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't was, know. Um, I played it with an orchestra a couple of years ago. We did it as a now, piece on the program. Now, I, was it like a a family a program? Concert? No, it was just it was just a regular concert. We did this with a cu- couple other pieces. Oh, hmm. that's cool. Yeah, I just I listen. I don't go to I, again. I don't go to a lot of uh, classical Orchestral. music. Yeah. Concerts, mm-hmm. but it's just one that I never. I, if I saw this somewhere, I'd be like, "Ooh, I love the Sorcerer's Apprentice." Because mm-hmm. again, there's a story <laughs> well, I could just close my eyes and be like, "And picture." And the, <laughs> the other bit that we all really were surprised and enjoyed was Mickey comes out and shakes. Oh, Stakowski's Stakowski's hand. hand. Oh, yeah. Saying, is that how you say it? Stakowski's. Mm-hmm. Stakowski. Yeah. Stakowski. Stakowski. <laughs> and I love that. He's like, "Oh, you did great." Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He pulls on his tails with his coat. Yeah. So the, is the what's the next one? Oh wait. Well, wait, wait. wait. We have to read it. And Chris, do you have anything else on this one? Um, no. Okay. Okay. One, two, three. All right. That's three All thumbs, thumbs up. up. All right, Chris. This one is Stravinsky. Here we go. Oh, here we go. <laughs> the rate of spring. It's time for is... uh, kid, parents put your kids to sleep because this is going to turn into <laughs> a Rush Limbaugh esque rant. We're going to get so a couple. Uh, Fantasy facts for you here. Uh, the Rite of Spring. Fairy tale facts. Fairy tale facts. Fairy tale facts. Fantasy facts are for our Lord of the Rings podcast we're doing later. Fair. Uh, <laughs> it's ten minutes shorter than the original. So earlier we mentioned that Stravinsky was not happy with the happy mm-hmm. with the arrangement. So that could have maybe contributed to that. Uh, and also, when this piece opened, not for Fantasia, but when it opened in 1913 and was performed, it caused a riot at the premiere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I, found I knew about that. Uh, and then the other thing that happens in Fantasia... Was it people trying to leave? <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't let them... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, well there, there was a riot because people didn't like it. They didn't get it. They 
were upset with how it sounded. That's so weird. I can't imagine being like, boo! And the orchestra piece would be like, ah! Like, this <laughs> Altamont type thing. The other thing that was interesting is before they started the piece, the chimes all fell. Oh, yeah. Well, first there was... <laughs> Well, it was a bit of humor before a giant science info dump. So I think there was a, they're like, Haha, we're having fun here, right? In five billion years ago, the Earth was nothing but a speck of dust. That wasn't, you know, it's like... You just yes, we did get a, an educational piece on evolution, and that is what so, this next one is all about. I looked into well, that a little bit. Um, oh, you, wait. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say, um, when the narrator was talking about that, he got like very serious when he was going, this is all based on science, not yeah. art. It was almost like like people, I guess, like trying to convince people that, hey, dinosaurs were real. Probably. I mean, dinosaurs had only been in, like discovered within like less than, a, less than 100 years, probably less, almost 50 years. Like dinosaurs mm-hmm. were discovered in the Old West. Mm-hmm. So they had, and that wasn't too much earlier than that. Um, I, I, the other thing I looked up was, you know, you were asking, is was this like controversial at the time? Um, because the creation of the world really, versus religious. <laughs> really, the 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 yeah. idea of like teaching both of those in school had only come about had been an argument starting after World War One. So it was something they were starting to say like you need to teach creationism versus this. They finally made a ruling about it in the sixties. I forgot what that. Uh, lawsuit was called, but yeah, this you were right. This was something that was controversial. I found it interesting that Disney took a stand on that. Yeah, and maybe that's why he was so serious in his description of this is science. Yeah, and then it also got me thinking: Do science teachers show this excerpt? Yes, yes, they do. Mm-hmm. When I, I thank you in the documentary, you know who Leonard Malton is? I do not. Very famous uh, film historian and critic. He was talking about, it and he said they used to get it together and he's like they take out they pull in a 16 millimeter uh projector and they put the reel on there and they just show us that in science class so yeah at one point yeah because that was my first thought was this is a really great way to have that discussion with kids at a younger age and i think even in high school you could still show it and then talk about it and Mm -hmm. i like listen i'm a big dinosaur dork i'm a i'm a dorkosaurus but like (laughs) whoof this one was uh, a little long Little, yes, this one was long for me. They uh, there was a lot of really cool stuff they did with with I think the story I the story of 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 the creation of the universe. They filmed they made they made like clay and they blew bubbles through it and then filmed that and then did that as as uh, art pieces for um, like they, th- that was reference for when they did the lava and everything and the special mm-hmm. effects department like when they did this documentary they brought it they, the special effects guys weren't in any other segment and on this one they're like we did a lot of work and people say a lot of things about this but I gotta tell you what we like they were like real defensive of this piece as a special effects and it was gorgeous all the comets and the flames and all that but yeah. what were your thoughts Chris on the overall quality of this this one piece you, you know the 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 dinosaurs looked a little funny. It took a long <laughs> time to get to the dinosaurs. Yes. <laughs> you know, I felt like we spent seven minutes just, you know, showing, like, scenery. And then you see, finally, a, like, a cell. And it d- starts dividing. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it turns into um, these uh, creepy-looking dinosaurs. Um, 
They showed one, the jellyfish ate one, and I swear the one it ate had like a cartoon face that was like, oh no! Like, <laughs> I was like, oh! This one's hard for me because when you talk about the special effects, I want to be like, yay, and give them a bunch of credit. But voting on it for me... I think if, they, if they'd cut it a little better, it would have been more yeah. palpable. Um, you yeah. know what it reminded me of? Do you guys remember the Epcot ride, the Universe of Energy, before Ellen and Bill Nye took it over? I mean, I wrote it, but I don't remember I it. I don't you, remember it either. Well, do you remember the dinosaur? There's like uh, animatronic dinosaurs in it. So it was like a 20-minute ride, and about two minutes of it were the dinosaurs, and the 18 minutes before were like, energy, how you get fossil fuels. And I was a kid, I was like, mm-hmm. Ugh. And my dad loved that I loved to ride because he's like, sweet, I can take an 18-minute nap while we're at <laughs> But that's what this felt like. It was like a lot of like, hmm, to get to like, ooh, dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just watched them all die. We watched them all die. Yeah. Yeah. And I I felt like the dinosaurs were a little underwhelming. Okay. So let's let's give our thoughts on this one. Are you ready? Yep. One, one, two, three. All right. Three thumbs down. Thumbs down. (laughs) That's what I was saying earlier. Like, I want to like. I think if you just excited had this... for the special effects guys and the animating, but mm-hmm. it as a whole it didn't. It's track definitely for me. one that like if you're watching this start to finish and you're like, I need to go to the bathroom or I need to like go get some more popcorn. This is the now's place the to do time. It. To well, do it's it. funny you say that because right after that is intermission. Was intermission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when we were watching it, it says we're gonna. Uh, Deems Taylor says we're gonna take a 15 minute intermission. We were like. Are they going to just go right back into it? Yeah. Is it going to be 15 minutes Are we going to sit here through it? What's happening? <laughs> so during the road show, when it was being shown all over the country, mm-hmm. they actually took the 15-minute yeah. intermission. So mm-hmm. it was broken up, which makes sense. If you were to go to an orchestral concert or see a play or a musical or anything like that, typically there's an intermission. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. was the, they followed the same format of that. Yeah. And then when the... I just loved watching all the, the, the musicians get up like they were legitimately there and getting up as opposed to like <laughs> and then the cameras went off and you know like yeah you watch them get up and leave which is what you would do mm-hmm. in a live performance and then you see them all come back in and then they start with a little jazzy tune led yeah. by a clarinet player yeah they're weirdly just playing a song when then they like a little warm up I guess like, <laughs> uh, oh musicians <laughs> but the part that I really liked that again was educational and I thought Chris, I want to get your opinion on this, showing the kids about music, is when they talk about the soundtrack. They're like, we're going to have a character come in, and it's the soundtrack. And they start doing the acoustics of each instrument and how the acoustics are visual. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, And I thought it was neat that they went through all the different, like, families of instruments. um, Mm Mm-hmm. And just kind of, you know, visualize to the kids, like, the low and high notes, loud and soft, and kind of, they could see a visual to associate with it. Yeah, and I thought that could be an interesting way to show that to kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to vote on that one? I think we're all thumbs I'll vote up on, on that. that one. Yeah, one, I'm two, in three. on that. I like the soundtrack. I do, too. All right, so now we move on to uh, the pastoral, Beethoven Symphony Number no. 6. And this is the weirdest of yes. them all. So yes. I wanted to, as an adult, I very much liked this one because I'm also, in addition to being <laughs> a, a, uh, a Disney nerd and a dinosaur nerd, I'm a triple threat. I'm a mythology nerd. That is true. <laughs> I can attest to that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just... It, this is one that I would find hard to show to the kiddies. 
It also, so yeah. this one is 20 minutes instead of, I believe, the original symphony is 40 minutes from what I found on a quick search. Mm. And one of my thoughts after we're through it, like we're about halfway watching it, is I would love to know what Beethoven would have thought if he watched <laughs> this along to his symphony. <laughs> there's a lot of, like, not just talking about the fact that there's, like, shirtless centaurs that don't have any nipples, but it's weirdly sexualized where they're, like, cleaning themselves. And yes, doing and that. then yeah. it's the centaurettes. Yeah, so I'm saying the, the women are just, like, we, it's, it's definitely drawn by a bunch of men. But as, and then the, as weird as some of this may be, you guys, there, it, it, there was a point where it was, it was much, much stranger. Mm-hmm. There was a character that was shown in the original version, but was taken out, I think, starting in the 60s. Her name was Claudette. She uh, started off by, she was shining all the hoofs of the uh, uh, lady centaurs. And she was actually not half horse, she was half donkey. Would you like to see a picture of Claudette? Yes. Uh, yes. Oh no! <laughs> oh yeah, that's no that nope that can't go in. <laughs> We're gonna put that on the Facebook page. We'll be sure to show oh, a picture no. of Claudette. Uh, but that also segues into what we also observed is that all the centaurs are paired up by color. <laughs> yeah. And the first time you see that is you see a centaur, a male centaur who's very sad and he's blue. Centaur. Centaur. Like guitar. Me. And then. The narrator calls them centaurettes, which I don't know if that's referred they're to anywhere centaurs. else. They're just centaurs. They're just lady centaurs, not centaurettes. Yeah. But yeah, you they're see not a, They're blue. not a kick line. Which <laughs> would, they're not a centaur kick line. I would have been that back would be on awesome. <laughs> But you see this sad blue centaur, and then, you know, all it reveals the blue centaur, and then they fall in love, I guess. Yes, and, and then you see along. them, and it's like, oh, look, the red centaurs are in love. Yeah, it's like, so they were paired yeah. by stick, color. Stick to your hue. Yes. <laughs> Uh, also, in the very beginning, there's unicorns and there's pegasi. Pegas, yeah. pegasi, you are correct. Pegasi. And the unicorns reminded all of us of My Little Ponies, and I'm very curious mm-hmm. uh, because My Little Ponies don't come out for another 41 years. So I'm curious if they were directly influenced by this because they looked almost identical in some of the, sh- the shots and the scenes. I found all the censored scenes with Claudette. Oh, no. We'll post it on the Facebook page. So let me go ahead and save that. And send it to Chris so he can watch it. Yep. (laughs) Oh, boy. And then the other part that gets kind of borderline is Bacchus, the god of wine, tries to get really handsy with all the centaurs. (laughs) He gets drunk, and then it... Is like really chasing them all down. And there are parts where he's an adorable character at the end where he's like happy about certain things. Like, yeah, and he's like got the a rainbows donkey. out and stuff. He's got a cute little donkey who also has a unicorn. So it's a donkey mm-hmm. unicorn. unicorn. Uh, and the donkey was another similar animation to Pinocchio. Does that mean a narwhal is like a mermaid and a unicorn? <gasps> Whoa. <No. laughs> uh, but yeah, Bacchus gets a little ha- a little too handsy for me. Yes. Um, this is the one that I think, I, I, again, I'm a big mythology nerd, so I enjoyed it. But at the same time, like, if there was one where, like, well, we could redo one of these, I'd be like, let's redo this one. Let's keep the same idea of it, but, like, let's change a few things here and there. I, I did like the rainbow. Uh, so we didn't talk about Zeus. Zeus comes in to break up all the debauchery, essentially. Yes. 
and throws down the lightning bolts and the thunder and, and he's everything. So happy about doing it. So jolly. <laughs> and then Very the rainbow. I liked her when she came yes. through the land with the rainbow. And an interesting fact I read is the rainbow colors are reversed. So if you're watching it, mm-hmm. make sure to look for that. Ruined the entire. So Rainbow <laughs> yeah. Bright and My Little Ponies both came from this. She didn't look like Rainbow Bright at all. All right. Thanks for uh, stomping on my joke. So, Chris, did you <laughs> yeah. enjoy. Do you have anything else for this one? And then no, we can vote. You know, I'll, I'll just say once you mentioned that about the rainbow, I could not stop looking at it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I ruined That's it. Awesome. I'm sorry. Um, no, you talked about everything I had on my list. You know, the, the, the centerettes with the, I don't know, they were very provocative. And, yeah, uh, I know, think it was weird. It, not wearing we shirts. Were, one thing we talked about on this... Some yeah. of them had flowers over their boobs and others yeah. had nothing. Some pasties on. And no on. nipples. Uh-huh. All right, so what did you, th- <laughs> what did you think of this one? Um, we'll give it one, two, one, two know- three. Okay. Oh, a thumbs down for me. I think it's culturally inappropriate. It needs to be changed, and it's not for kids. But if, if, it's for, if you're an adult, yeah, I liked it. Okay. Yeah, I... But that's I, fine. I, I liked that there was like some connection between all the different movements, um, and there was mm-hmm. kind of a story, but it was just some of it was weird, man. It was yeah, <laughs> some of it was very bizarre yeah. for me, which like took me out of the experience, which is why yeah. I voted no on it. Okay, fair. Um, However, I did like the depictions of the gods, and yeah. basically at one point Ryan was like, "You just want to go watch Hercules," yeah. which is he's not wrong. I love. Yeah. You want to watch the, but you wanted to story. You're like, I want to learn more. Like when I showed Artemis and the moon, and yes. she was like, uh, uh, and she looked like cool a bad <laughs> warrior. I was like, mm-hmm. tell her story. <laughs> Their oh, kids are excuse listen. me, a, a rock star warrior, a bad bee, bad garsh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll do that. We'll put the thing there. I'll go first one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Tara was was into that, and I'm like, oh, you, we should watch the Hercules show after this. Yeah. All right. So what's next? Uh, next is Dance of the Hours, which is so delightful and one of my favorites. I I mm. like this one. Now, I will say this one took a lot of hits from the upper crust crowd because, well, okay. So a couple things. Number one, Walt's intention here. He goes, I want this to be higher than low brow, but lower than high brow. And for <laughs> listeners, Dance of the Hours is Sorry. the hippos with the ballerinas. Uh, basically, all the, the animals hippos, the ostrich, the ostrich, the elephants, and the crocodiles. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, they brought in a ballet, an actual ballet dancer to the group that worked on this. So there's a shot in the thing of this ballet dancer on stage just doing moves. And, like, there's all these guys, like, line drawing her. And apparently, originally, it was going to be, like, just making fun of ballet. And the animators got such an, they were like, this is really hard. Like, they got such an appreciation for it that they went back and kind of went, we're not making fun of ballet, we're making fun of the fact that it's kind of ridiculous that an ostrich and a hippo or... And I love that animals you don't perceive graceful were dancing very gracefully. I love that so much. Yeah, I I thought there was a lot of, like, um, irony in the whole um, section. Like, even, like, when, um, like, the hippo coming out was very sultry. <laughs> yes, um, very sultry. And, um, and the elephants too, the way they moved. And I also noticed too, the music got much lighter then when the hippo came out. It's like you yeah. saw the complete opposite yeah. from what you were hearing. It wasn't like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, <laughs> it was all very, very high strings and stuff like that. 
Yeah. And then the reoccurring theme is Camp Granada. So it was hard to not <laughs> Yo, sing that. Camp Granada is this theme. It's <laughs> have some respect for, for right of right of what is this one? Dance of the hours. Dance of the yeah, hours. Dance of the Hours. Um I think this this one is the one I remember almost as much. I there's the three I remember the most, which is uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, this one, and Night on Bald Mountain. And this one I felt like was played a lot, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. to other music on DTV and stuff like that. But I, it, it, this one cracked me up. Like I was, yeah, legitimately laughing out loud a few times just from jokes during and this. And I one. feel like from a merchandising standpoint, I've seen the hippo ballerina on things or as a stuffed animal or something. I'll have to do more research <laughs> on that. But I, I, I know see I've hippo seen ballerina that. every time I look in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I want to ask you guys about those um, alligator vampires. Um, I love the alligator <laughs> vampires. Jesus, they look like vampires. Now, I, why were they chasing the hippos? I was really, like, kind of confused at why they were chasing. And I know I'm probably trying to put too much reason to it. But I was just wondering why they were chasing the hippos. Because even at the end, they did get the hippos. But they, I believe they just stood on top of them. And then the curtains closed. I think originally it was they were going to eat that one. And then the one okay. with the hat fell in love with her. And then the other ones were jealous and wanted their own bride. So they started stealing the elephants. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll go with that. That's my take on it. <laughs> I'm in with that. I was going to ask the same thing that maybe they were going after it for food. But hippos are actually very ferocious in the wild. Yeah. So I was curious if that would track in real life. Let's find uh, out. No, it doesn't track in real life. Yeah. But I like your take on it. H- h- crocodiles don't F with hippos. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So one, two, three, vote. One, sure. two, three, vote. Yep. All right. We all, we liked all like it. that one. Okay. All right. The finale. Oh. Night yeah. on Bald Mountain and Ave Maria. So I think originally we talked about them separately before we watched it. Mm-hmm. They are combined to show the dark and the light. Mm-hmm. The idea being, the story being that Chernabog, the demon on top of Bald Mountain, is trying to get this, is, is, is revving up to spook this town but then the day the comes and then it like they celebrate that it drives him away yeah and the monks mm-hmm. come in this was one where they really wanted to they they kept saying that they didn't want to scare the audience but they definitely wanted to give them a feeling of like unease or terror or, you Tension. know yeah mm-hmm. i love it this is t- this is my favorite one because it always showed up on disney channel at uh at halloween like i always associate with halloween it's such a good like spooky haunting scene it's so mm-hmm. good i love it and chernabog is a fierce villain yes 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 he's great i i could see him in villainous someday oh in the board game yes. i think he's typically considered the villain of this movie like if you wanted like well, we have to go through our questions we'll go through that we'll go through that i'm gonna bring that up while we're talking about you go ahead well chris what are your thoughts on this one um i really liked it um i thought it was great how like once again like it told a really good story um throughout I I liked it yeah this is one of my favorites too and I kept talking about how emotional Ave Maria is when I hear it and but it didn't take me out of the experience which I liked like even though I have a personal connection to that piece Mm -hmm. I really like the way it was animated in Fantasia yeah it's very beautiful I and I love how like simply it was animated too like it was almost like this stillness that was happening there's not much movement going on um things are panning very slowly um and there's almost this stillness that you kind of associate with that song yeah um 
originally it was supposed to have a much more Christian oriented ending where you kind of go through what looks like a, a, a series of doors. It's, it's you going to heaven at the end and then the, the mm-hmm. Madonna is there and all that, but they kind of changed it because I think I can't, someone decided it was too overtly Christian and someone came up to Walt was like, well, do a sunset because that's the, one of the most hopeful things you can have is the, the next day. And it mm-hmm. was very and it was, beautiful. And it just ends. There's no yeah. credits. Yeah, There's we were nothing. all surprised about that. The orchestra doesn't come back. The narrator doesn't come I back. I thought maybe we see the orchestra like get up and leave since we saw them do that. At, yeah, you the, just yeah. end on the image of the sunset. Yeah. Let's vote on this last one. One, two, three. All right. All thumbs up. Um, so, Chris, we have some questions we like to ask at the end of this. Uh, okay. I'm going to mix them up from what this order here. So, yeah. uh, so we talk. This one's not going to necessarily adhere to a lot of our stuff because we ask about one of our questions. Let's we'll just go through them. How how is the villain? And I guess if we rate the villain as Chernabog, we rate I rate him very highly. I love Chernabog, yeah. but I, I also Zeus really like could the be another villain. He's the source. He would. He's ten out of ten. I'd I'd see him again. Like he was great. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the sorcerer was a villain? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I think he saved the day. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, I guess you could look at it that way. I guess it depends on your perspective. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, evolution, if we want to take it a real dark turn. Evolution <laughs> was the, was was the, the villain? villain? All those dinosaurs, we watch them all die. <laughs> um, no, but Chernabog, to be on a more serious note, yeah, Chernabog, I think, and he's amazing. How was is, how is the sidekick? I liked... The little unicorns in that one and i like there was a scene where the the storm was coming and a bunch of little baby ones went under one of their legs and he like stood and i liked it because it was cartoony but it was also kind of bold but i also liked it because they really showed the fur kind of getting matted up in the rain mm-hmm. and i know i was denying being a my little pony fan earlier and now i'm really describing this pony in a lot of detail so maybe <laughs> I was lying and I'm discovering something about myself today <laughs> i'm trying to think who else would be considered sidekicks? Would anybody my, in the... My sidekicks? The groom. I'd pick Maybe the, the groom ostrich. was the bad guy. The ostrich? I yeah. love the ostrich. They the ostrich. come in in the beginning the and they kind of disappear. And then the whole story's about, you know, the, the hippos and the alligators. Yeah. Well, then that's a good thing because my next question is, how is the princess, who I think we can all agree... Is that is hippo? hippo. She was <laughs> yes. fantastic. I loved her. She was great. She was strong. She, uh... She's strong. <laughs> yes. So, yes... Um, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I hope this isn't like rude, but Lizzo in the live action, 100%, right? Yeah. Bold, beautiful, mm-hmm. big woman. Let's do yes. this. <laughs> and then we get some short guy to play her prince, which is of course the crocodile. And I would rate the crocodile pretty highly. because Crocodile he starts or off an me. alligator? I think he's a crocodile because they're all African creatures. Oh, okay. That yeah, would be yeah. my guess. All right. And I think, I think he was good because he was kind of a bad boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked him. He was sneaky, like and Zuko. then love love one in the end. Yes. Um, what was your favorite musical number? Which I think is one that that that'll definitely work in there. I loved oh, man. Bald Mountain, one hundred percent. But I was shocked at how much I liked the hippo one. I keep forgetting the name Dance of it. Dance of the Hours. Dance of the Hours. But I will also say that I feel like the the music was the the least interesting part of that one i this is hard for me sorcerer's apprentice is very nostalgic for me Mm -hmm. so it's one that i really loved and like i could hum i felt like i could hum every note of it and i loved all the visuals but i really enjoyed dance of the hours 
Uh, but I would agree with Ryan that repetitive theme musically is not as interesting, I think, as visually. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. What one did you like the best? I, I'm looking through them now. I don't know. I really yeah. liked... I really liked I the first one, one. Um, Takata and Fugue. Um, oh, yeah. And I really liked Night on Bald Mountain as well. Um, I, I don't know. Hmm. I'm trying to decide which one I liked a little bit better. I like that there was Takata more of a... In- I like that there was more of a story to Night on Bald Mountain. But like I said earlier about, you know, Takata and Fugue having like this almost hypnotic effect I thought was really neat and it was like they took you down the rabbit hole seeing all the shadows first and all the colors and then tying it into the animation so this movie really peaked early for you and then just <laughs> you know well, no, he it, liked the beginning it, and the end oh, it's sandwich because I, I like the the end too the the last one i love night on ball mountain i know i said it was between sorcerer's apprentice and dance of the hours but i do love the Churnberg, how do you say? Churnberg? no that's the mayor of uh <laughs> synecdoche um you say his name that's Chernabog. Chernabog. Chernabog is a great, <laughs> great villain. So, yeah, it's hard for me. I can narrow it down to three, and Mayor I don't know that Chernberg. I can narrow it down to one. Um, so, our big question, Chris, is do, do you like it? Would you like to release a Platinum Edition clamshell VHS of this movie, or would you like to lock it away in the vault? Ooh, um, I'd release it. I would, I would lock too. Don't don't I lock this too. away. Don't lock it away. Yeah, I think there's so many good things about it, and I think we've highlighted a lot of them. And it did something no nobody else was doing, and I don't know that many other people have, have done, done it to this degree. Since then, I mean, they do yeah. Fantasia 2000, which Chris, we're going to invite you back on for Fantasia 2000. Yeah, now that I've seen parts of that one before, I don't think Disney didn't even do it like this. All the ones he did afterwards, which were kind of the cut-up musical ones, were all more popular music. Mm-hmm. He yeah. did it a couple times within them, like he did Peter and the Wolf and stuff like that within within the larger pictures. But it was also like country music or latin music or just well, crazy world stuff that was probably the most cultural otherwise it was just popular and you mm-hmm. talked about earlier i know we talked about it while we were watching it i think we talked about it earlier as well that this did not do well mm-hmm. overall when it came out and i wonder if that's why he shied away from it for a while yes. because I- snow white was such a huge success pinocchio was a pretty pretty decent success mm-hmm. this was his first flop even though it wasn't a total flop but it wasn't as successful as i think he anticipated it to be it has since then and its re-releases become more and more popular well Well, chris didn't you read something about it um yeah and i well i also was gonna say too like the 60s and the 70s i mean come on with that movie what are you getting (laughs) (laughs) i think you know what What i mean mean? well i think we covered it pretty well guys we feel good you feel good yeah you feel good about all this i feel i feel great about this (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for uh, being with us, Chris. No thanks problem. for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, and I guess we'll see you in th- eight years for <laughs> Fantasia 2000. Yeah, we'll see how long it takes us to get to Fantasia 2000 since we're in 1940. But uh, you never know. Chris might pop up before then. Yeah, I, right? I'll, I'll say this. If you happen to watch a Goofy movie, oh, I'm in for that. You're down. Ryan has never seen it. No. Are you serious? So it's not... It's, I watch the music video of uh what is it eye to eye yes i watch that a lot <laughs> i've never seen the movie that's so, so it's so good it's not technically it's, on the official list but, it but is we're on adding our list. it mm-hmm. 
So, it should be. The official list of Disney animated. All right. Well, we'll get you back for that one. But uh, thanks for joining us, guys. No problem. Thanks and, for having and, me. And trumpets are the best instruments. Goodbye! No nope, horns. <laughs> thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is, too, at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Uh-huh.